Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. My name is Tim Enneking, and this is episode 23. Today is February 15th, 2023. It is roughly 4 p.m. on the Pacific coast of the United States. Today we will discuss four different topics. Uh, CPI, breaking fiat crypto correlation, four things that will move crypto markets, and then last topic will be about staking. Back to the first. CPI figures came out yesterday, and they were very interesting, let's say, almost in the Chinese curse sense of the meaning. And the markets, both crypto and fiat, went completely bonkers. They were up a percent, down a percent, up a percent, down a percent, and ended unchanged, all in the space of seven or eight hours. Uh, it's that, This sort of thing has happened recently when you get either an FOMC decision or new inflation numbers, but it's rarely been this absurd. Up so much, down so much, and 1% isn't all that much, but to shift four times and end up zero, three basis points lower is a bit ridiculous. Markets literally don't know what to do. And this has continued for, or has been continuing for quite a while, where the market just become very difficult to, to predict. And what happens, aside from one dip down to about 36, markets have been moving on the S&P between about 38 and below 42, really 41.50, which is pretty much where it closed yesterday. The CPI number that caused all this confusion showed a 6.4% annual inflation rate. Now, that's a little bit better. It was down one-tenth of a point from, or 10 basis points from the prior month, but it's really not much progress. Uh, the other statistic that came out is that monthly inflation, incre- or monthly inflation was positive. Of course, prices are still going up, just not up as fast. Uh, and it went up 50 basis points, so 0.5%. That's the headline CPI, monthly CPI. The core went up 0.4%, right in line with what everybody, everyone thought. The problem is, is that, yes, they were positive numbers barely, but uh, prices are still going up. If you take 0.5% and annualize it, you get about 6.2% times 12. It's obviously 6% and a little bit of compounding. Uh, 0.4%, you come on almost exactly at 4.8. So the markets have no real direction here because uh, the inflation appears to be slowing down very, very slowly at at 10 basis points a month. To get down to 2%, it'll take three years. So that's not good news. Uh, But it is going down. On the other hand, some consumer spending figures came out that showed consumer spending in December went up 3%. And this is already adjusted for uh, Christmas spending. So you've got a very strong consumer, which is good on the one hand, bad for this purpose. You have you had 5,000, uh, 517,000 jobs created in January, which is fabulous for employees. Again, it's bad for inflation. So you really have a mixed bag, even though from a sort of a superficial standpoint, the numbers are positive. As a result, going out on a limb, I'm going to repeat my prediction from uh, last week, which is, yes, I was wrong in terms of 50 basis points on February 1st, although I would now say that if you ask the FOMC, they'd say, hey, we should have done 50. Uh, They are going to do a 50 uh, basis point increase in mid-March on the 21st and 22nd, which was 
something that I predicted back in December, and I'm very confident in that. But last week, I added another 25 basis point increase on May 2nd and 3rd. And what that does is lead into uh, the other out on a limb from last week, which is we will see no interest rate decreases in 2023. And we may see more than what's happening in May. I'm just only looking out that far right now. So a very interesting report that, that put traders across the board in virtually every asset uh, in a state of confusion. Point number one. Second topic is breaking correlation. But that, by that, what I mean is core, breaking correlation between crypto and fiat. Now, by breaking, I don't mean to say it's disappeared completely. But if you go back to last spring and summer, the correlation between fiat and crypto, the NASDAQ in this case, not the S&P, so tech stocks, the correlation between tech stocks and BTC was 0.85. And to remind you, correlation goes from plus one to minus one. Plus one means that two assets move in lockstep minus all the time. Minus one means they move in the opposite direction all the time. And zero is random. Sometimes they move together, sometimes they move in opposite direction, but it's just a hodgepodge. There's no clear correlation. So nine months ago, roughly, we were at a correlation almost perfect. Instead of one, it was at 0.85, but it's almost moving in lockstep. There was a dip last summer, later in the summer, and right now, the correlation is at 0.25. And a couple of weeks ago, it was actually at 0.2. So you're seeing correlation plunge, which is highly, highly unusual. And it's also important, uh, it's required for the next point. But I want to spend a little time just on this aspect of the, uh, of the of correlation because it's such an important factor and it's so different. Now, remember, I've also attacked this metric because correlation can only, can only measure between two, be measured between two assets when the markets for both are open. And the fact of the matter is fiat markets are only open a little bit more than 20% of the time if you're using a 24-7 calendar and crypto markets are obviously open all the time. So you're only do calculating a correlation when both markets are open. However, because everyone looks at this, even though I think it's not as good, as good a metric as many people seem to think, if enough people are looking at it and following it, hey, it becomes a good, a good metric and it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have correlation really dropping. And that's our second topic of the day. The third will sort of wrap all of these two, both of these two together. They, my uh, prediction is that Crypto markets will have a bullish year and that there are four reasons for that. One is that interest rates are peaking. And if you look at what's happened um, uh, in, with the interest rates, they took off with four, a couple of small ones, but then they took off with four straight 75 BIP increases. And I've likened this to an artillery shell leaving the barrel of a gun. It's not exactly straight, but it certainly looks straight as it takes off. And then the artillery shell arcs over. I've used this metaphor before. It's still going up. The shell is still going up, but you know it's going to start coming down. So we've had a 50 and a 25. And interestingly, there have been eight increases in interest rates, and they're completely parallel. It's 25, 50, four 75s, a 50, and a 25. That parallelism will end with the next rate increase. But right now, it's strangely enough, uh, completely parallel. 
So we know that interest rates are increasing less quickly, and it will stop in the fairly near future. That is going to reduce downward pressure on asset prices in general. Plus, the market is starting to internalize rate increases. The first couple were super dramatic, especially the first couple 75s. And after that, they didn't have such a, a big uh, a big impact. Uh, human beings can get used to just about anything is the moral of that story. The second factor is BTC having. What happens is that as you mine BTC, and BTC is just is still a proof of work exercise, as you mine BTC, over after a certain period of time, it works out to about four years. When the difficulty hits a, a certain point, the rewards, the number of Bitcoin you get for solving a given mathematical problem gets cut in half. And the last time that happened was in 2020. And so what you see is 2019 was a good year, was an okay year. 2020 was a good year. 2021 was a fabulous year. 2022 was a down year, just like 20, uh, 2018 was. And so we're at a point in the halving cycle where the move up is beginning. And it'll be, this will be a decent year. Next year will be a good year. And the following year should be a fabulous year. Now, it's not like there are 100 years of data points here, but this is the fourth time this happened. Looks pretty strong, and it's one factor of four. The third factor is what I call the forced capitulation caused by FTX. Now, the markets were looking for the bottom, and some people were talking about 12 or 13. At the time, Bitcoin was hovering around 16 or 17, occasionally moving up to 18. And then the FTX debacle happened in November with uh, FTX and Alameda and the, the rescue of Voyager failing and a whole bunch of other stuff. Bitcoin understandably plunged. It hit just under 15500 And then it recovered. And at the time, as one of my predictions was, and it looks, this looks like it will be true, we have hit, we have hit the bottom. Uh, because capitulation normally would have taken several more months to find the bottom, bounce along the bottom, maybe have a spike down and recover and then move up. Instead, FTX forced it, compressed it, and we hit the bottom at 15.5. And that certainly seems to be the case now. Probably need another month or two to be absolutely certain, but uh, I stand by, by that prediction, the third reason why crypto markets move up. The fourth reason was this is the second topic of today. Despite everything I'm saying, hey, interest rates planing out and ultimately going down a bit, but not anytime soon, Bitcoin having cycle, the forced capitulation of BTC, Bitcoin is coming off the bottom. The only way you can have Bitcoin move up significantly, because fiat markets are not going to move up significantly, interest rates have too much of an effect on earnings, and that effect is delayed by six or nine months. So fiat markets are moving sideways. You can't have one of these markets go up and the other one move sideways and still be highly correlated. So the fact that very recently, because if you go back to early, mid-January even, the correlation between fiat and crypto was 0.6. If you go back to end of December, the correlation was 0.72, and now it's at 0.25 and it's plunged as low as 0.2. You can see very clearly correlation is breaking down which is what you absolutely have to happen for crypto to move up. So for those four reasons, uh, some of them are historical, some of them are forward-looking, a couple of them are both. You, in, in our opinion, in my opinion, their uh, crypto has 
put in a bottom, and we will start. We have started a bull market that will last about three years in crypto. The fourth and last topic is it was a spare topic for a while called what is staking. I was just going to generally explain to people what staking is, but then Kraken and the SEC happened, so it's no longer just a theoretical discussion. So staking basically consists of buying a token and putting it to work somehow. You put it to work somehow. You may, uh, depending on the project, it, there may be various uh, kinds of uses. Uh, we have put we have put staking or we have stake projects that do everything, providing from providing VPSs to providing search capability to providing Wi-Fi access. Whatever whatever the project is doing, they set up staking to basically decentralize. And people who stake, they buy the token. That is positive for the token. No one's no one's a token price. No one's ignorant as to that. But they buy those tokens, stake them, and they are directly doing work. And that's very important. So you can stake. We have projects that are giving us 6% a month on staking. More projects are giving us 1% to 2% a month. And notice by fiat standards, even 1% a month, 12% a year, the compounding is really trivial at that interest rate level or that yield level is fabulous by fiat standards. And depending on the project, you know, you can look at the kind of risk. You have market risk because you had to buy the stake, but you're not buying and selling, or if you are, it's a separate activity. And then you have to look at the uh, success of the project and how quickly they'll roll out, you know, whether you want to add more staking or decrease your staking. It's a very interesting, it's a very interesting concept. And it's almost as if you're a shareholder, but you're doing work. A shareholder, there would not be any work involved. When you buy tokens to stake, you are doing something and you are participating in the, in the project. So you're like, uh, I don't even what to call it, a, a sort of, some sort of employee and a shareholder. It's an, it's an interesting combination. Really hasn't uh, existed in the past. It's almost like commission work or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the best metaphor. I have to give that some more thought. Then Kraken happens. And the SEC says that, okay, staking is a currency. And everybody goes, staking is dead, staking is dead. And they're all wrong. Uh, the reason they're wrong is because of something called the Howey test. Uh, the Howey is interesting. Howey was a guy who had an orange grove in Florida in the 40s, I believe. And he offered people interests in his orange grove. And that was found to be a security. And the for the buyers and he was issuing a security so he got in trouble under the under uh, securities laws at the time which in many cases haven't in, in substance and foundation basis haven't really changed very much in the meantime so the supreme court ruled in 40, 1946 and it said that an investment contract or a security exists if and i'm going to quote very short from the decision, and, and this is very well known in legal circles, investment of money in a common enterprise with a reasonable expectation of profits to be, to be derived from the efforts of others. So the world and subsequent court decisions have now divided that one sentence into four pieces. And your security, if you meet all four of them, an investment of money, a common enterprise, expectation of profit, profit and efforts of others. So the staking, as I described it, does not in any way meet all four prongs of the Howey test. Investment of money, yes. In a common enterprise, uh, yes, you're participating in that. Expectation of profit, 
yes, you're clearly not doing it for, well, some people are actually doing it for philanthropic reasons, but most people are not. And here's the key, to be derived from the efforts of others. No, when you are staking, you open, you create your nodes or however it's set up, your VPS, you are doing the work and you are monitoring it. You have to provide effort, you have to provide work to earn. It's not from the, the efforts of others. Although, to some degree, it's a synergy of everybody working together, but you're all working together. So why did Kraken get in trouble? Kraken got into trouble because it pooled everyone's staking. People would sign up for staking, and it sort of became like a yield product, which uh, the SEC prevented uh, Coinbase from launching, and why with a fixed return, Celsius, um, Gemini, and, and Genesis all got into trouble. So Kraken pooled all the stakes and then invested in, in various, uh, various staking initiatives, various projects. So at that point in time, the folks who gave Kraken their token were not working anymore. They couldn't actually say, I'm, I'm even working on this project or that project. They couldn't identify the project, which is one of the main aspects of the decision. And they weren't doing anything. Once they put their money, and crypto will count as money for this purpose, once they gave their money to Kraken, it was Kraken's efforts and it was the efforts of the projects that were sponsoring the staking. It was not their own effort. And that is why the SEC did what it did. Um, the, 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 the problem with it was that there was no warning about this. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about uh, regulation by enforcement uh, another day. But the the fact of the matter is there was no warning from the SEC and Kraken got nailed. And of course, from a superficial standpoint, everybody's going, staking is dead, staking is dead. But it's not at all. Staking in this format, pooling money to stake is an investment. Uh, I, for instance, I run an investment fund that does exactly this, but we only go to accredited investors. You know, we've reported the existence of the fund to the SEC, but da 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 So we are pooling and we are staking, but we're doing it in accordance with uh, securities laws. And Kraken was not. It was also retail. We're not retail, a bunch of distinctions. But if you are doing staking on your own, you don't meet all four prongs of the Howey test. And I should emphasize, this is my opinion, not legal advice, not investment advice, but it seems quite clear to me. And the SEC emphasized these aspects in its decision. It had to. That's the established law. So there is a huge difference between what Kraken did and an individual staking or a bunch of individuals staking even. So staking is by no means dead. And then the last thing I'll say about it, what Kraken's approach, Kraken took that approach in the United States, and the SEC only has jurisdiction in the United States. A lot of people do business in the United States, so it sometimes seems like the uh, jurisdiction is broader, but in theory anyway, it only has a six over the U.S. So if you have a non-U.S. person pooling money outside of the United States to stake projects that are outside the United States, and it's not hard to meet all those criteria, you have no problems whatsoever. The SEC's action does not affect you at all. So staking is hardly dead. With that, uh, I will end today's uh, podcast. I hope you found it interesting and we'll speak in a week.